Hi, everyone. I'm Ron Stefanski, the co-host of Disrupt Ed. And I'm joined today with my co-host, Dr. Caesar's in the house. Hello, 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 everyone. So, you know, it's about two years ago that I had an opportunity. I've known uh, our guest today, Pavan Muzumdar, the COO of Automation Alley. I've known him for about a decade now uh, through various partnerships. Uh, but I had the opportunity to engage him on a panel a couple of years ago about upskilling Detroit. And it's there that I had this aha moment. And the aha moment was, this is a really bright dude. This is a this this guy's a certified brainiac. And one of the distinctions I make about certified brainiacs is that they have the potential to be uh, huge disruptors because they take big ideas that none of us really get. And with all the disruption, there's a lot of things that we don't get about where things are heading. And so when you find one of these brainiacs that are a disruptor, you have the opportunity to understand technology. You have, the under, you have an opportunity to understand better how it's shaping the world of work, the world of learning. And so that's what I'm excited to talk with uh, today with Pavan about, because he really has some really uh, cool and interesting insights that I think everyone's going to enjoy hearing more about. So Pavan Muzumdar. Welcome to our show. Yeah, welcome, Pavan. It's a pleasure to have you on our show. Well, thank you, Ron and Caesar. Thank you so much for that kind introduction. You know, sometimes you just appear smarter because you've seen something nobody else has. <laughs> <laughs> well, in this case, I think one of the other distinctions that we make on this show, we have people from industry and corporations, uh, colleges, and K-12. And so what do all these disruptors have in common? Caesar and I have pinpointed it, and it's they all have a very high what we call GSD index, right? Getting, getting shit done, right? That's right. So you can't just be a disruptor by saying all these cool, smart things. You actually have to be able to take some of these and herd all the cats and move them in the right direction to really impact your community more broadly, your region most broadly the globe. And so I think that's what's so exciting about talking with you today, Pavan. And so let's get right into it. I guess the first question I have is, you know, you came into Automation Alley after several very different careers. So as millennials are entering the workspace, they're learning that they may not only have five or 10 jobs, they may have five or 10 careers where they move in different, fundamentally different directions. But if they do it right, if we do it right, we come to a place, a different place, where all our superpowers converge. And it sounds very much, and in, in my work with Pavan, that's pretty much how it's worked. So you started out as a as a as an engineer, and then you transitioned to becoming a financial planner, and now you're at Automation Alley, one of Michigan's foremost uh, thought leading uh, institutions, agencies, uh, working on the state of the state in helping to lift up a knowledge center for Industry 4.0. So can you talk about your transition and uh, how it's helped you to understand the disruption going around? And, and Pavan, what, what I would, to, to kind of pre that, is how you got into engineering as well, you know, so that our folk really understand your journey. You sure. know, that it wasn't that you woke up one morning and you were an engineer, right? No, no, no. So, so thank you for that. That kind of sets it up. And and it it actually 
brings me to sort of this one comment that I had made at that event that you mentioned, Ron. We'll get to that. But so my backstory is I was born and raised in India, been very fortunate to come from a family that had education as one of the most important things you could do. Dad was a doctor and um, my mom was very much into education. She didn't necessarily have a formal degree of any kind, but you know they both were very, very into education. And then on my both the sides, we had great role models for, for education. My dad had uh, several brothers who were doctors. On my mom's side, uh, there was a, a, a range of education from engineering all the way to um, dentistry. And so I came into this environment and, um, you know, for me, it was a given that we were going to be educated. And then, you know, I'm, I'm the third of, of, of three kids. My sister's a dentist, my brother's a doctor. And the reason I actually went into engineering was because because uh, I was lazy, to be completely honest with you. <laughs> and, and what I mean by that is, you know, I saw my brother with these massive books and all he was doing every time and when he was in medical school, he was just reading and reading and reading. And, and reading was not something that came to me very naturally in my early years. I read a lot today. But in my early years, I was much more a curious person and I was much more into talking to people. And I'm just, I mean, I was, uh, uh, my daughter once found this little note that my fourth grade teacher had actually given my parents, which was, if Pavan could just stop talking and pay attention to that, it'd be pretty good. And she just laughs at it now. You need to take that note back to that, that teacher too. So yeah, exactly. They understand and, how they need to let yeah. our children grow, right? <laughs> Absolutely. But I think what, what gave me this move to put this push into engineering was a couple of things. I had some really great teachers, um, uh, some tutors that my parents had had uh, selected early on that gave me this curiosity about science and not this rote learning. Um, I was very fortunate to have a colleague in my engineering school uh, as uh, someone that we would we would kind of talk to each other and we would exchange ideas and it gave me the love of solving the problem, not necessarily the academic side of things. And so that's sort of how I went into engineering. And then again, I was fortunate. I, I graduated with a bachelor's in electronics engineering. And I met a friend of mine who had come to the United States a few years earlier. And he kind of put this bug in me that says, hey, you need to do like a, a master's program in one of our universities in the U.S. because the environment, the the, the academic environment is different. It's, it's curiosity driven. It's much more about figure out a problem to solve. And so without knowing a whole lot and just having my impression of the United States based on 80s movies, I said, all right, let's just do it. <laughs> you know, and, and, and really that's the story. So 89 on my birthday, my 21st birthday, 1989, I come to this country uh, to do a master's in, in um, electrical engineering at the University of Massachusetts in Lowell, enjoyed the program. And really what happened was something that I didn't even expect. And, and I didn't know what was going to happen. Was I going to go back? Was I going to stay? It was just, you know, everything was just kind of this open road. And so I decided it'd be kind of nice to work in this environment for some time. I looked for jobs in 1991, couldn't find anything in electrical engineering. 
And so that's when I actually made a move into computer science because I was like, maybe there's something there that's kind of cool. (laughs) And it was. And I just absolutely enjoyed that program. And as luck would have it, the economy had moved and I got this opportunity to work in 1993 for an awesome startup called Cambridge Technology Partners. And what was really interesting about that company was that they didn't teach us just technology. They were actually about solving business problems. And they kind of put that in our minds every single time is that when you talk to a client, you're not just going to throw some technology. You're going to find out what's the business case for this technology. And that kind of gave me this grounding of technology always has to serve a purpose. It's not the other way around. And so, you know, that was sort of, you know, the 1.0 of my career, so to speak. Fast forward a few years after that, I had the opportunity to shift careers and go into a family-based business. My in-laws at the time owned uh, companies. And it was a time when I was like, okay, I'm kind of, you know, want to transition out of consulting. And so I came into these small businesses. Um, One was a software business. The the other two were uh, just traditional, you know, distribution type businesses, retail stores. And it gave me this understanding coming from this large organization to a small organization. It gave me this understanding of the different cultures that exist and the strengths and, and, you know, areas of improvement for both. You know, in large organization, they have they have great processes and they have great systems and organization, but they're not as nimble. Sometimes they can't make decisions fast enough. In smaller businesses, they don't sometimes have that. They don't have the ability to to scale, the structure is a little bit lacking, but you can move on a dime. So how do you kind of bring both of these together? And that was actually the reason why I made my move into finance. It wasn't really much financial planning as much as financial analysis, because what I wanted to understand was, what is it that makes companies tick? That was always this curiosity. So these companies are, companies are these amazing inventions that we have created you know, in in our system where groups of people can come together, work towards a common purpose and generate value, generate wealth. And what you do with that wealth can can define where the society goes. I mean, you can buy a yacht if you want, or you can reinvest it into the business and spread the wealth around, provide access to the entire community. And that's the other path a company can take. But it's entirely up to what is this company worth? So it kind of went down this path of trying to figure that out. And I created this system called IQ, which was based on, you know, simple principles that other people have uh, kind of, you know, codified and, and, and put together. And IQ is, is a collection of those simple principles. And so that was actually what brought me to Automation Alley is, in the entrepreneurship area, we were realizing that these companies needed a little bit of structure, a little bit of handholding, not just the capital. And so I came in as the IQ facilitator for the organization. And then in 2016, when Tom Kelly, our executive director and CEO, became, it got into that position, he said, why don't we just do this for the whole organization? Because the organization needs this, needs this structure as well. And we see ourselves as an entrepreneurial, nimble organization. Yes, we are a nonprofit, but we very much run, and, and I hope Ron will attest to this, as, a, as an entrepreneurial organization where we make very quick moves. 
We try to be very nimble, and those are the principles that are encapsulated in in this approach. And so that's sort of the part. Pavin, so I wanted to, I, I had two questions actually, and the first one is more about your your path. It appears that you have had really important people, tutors, mentors, you know, really help set the pace for you. And I think that's that's one thing I want everyone to get out of this: how important it is to have supports for people who are who are trying to go down whatever path. You know, it's really crucial. And I don't think enough people know how important that is from teachers to mentors to tutors to people in the community, really key. But the other question I had, and you can talk about that in a minute, but the other question I had is that you talked about the system IQ. Is that what yeah. you called it? Did yeah. you Have you written anything up on that? Any, you know, like briefs or anything about that process? Great, great. Because we would like to, we can share that with our our, our group that, that that's listening to this program. Yeah, I think our listeners and viewers want to get a, a copy of that. So we'll make that available with this podcast. Um, so, Pavan, you know, I want to I want to share something and, and interject here. Um, you know, I feel like when I, you know, when I grow up, I know what I want to be. I want to be a little bit more like Pavan. So uh, with full disclosure to our viewing audience, I am uh, doing some consulting right now with Automation Alley. And who knows, that may go even further. But, Pavan, I want you to pivot now to talk about, you know, Automation Alley started out as a county in Oakland County initiative, and now it's transformed itself um, <clears throat> to become the knowledge center for Industry 4.0 across Michigan. And so maybe you can talk about the mission and vision uh, that brought that concept to bear and has moved you from being county focused, Detroit focused, uh, simply automotive focus too. And and what is, I mean, the other thing is this 4.0. I know we like adding numbers to things and shit like that, but what is, I mean, industry 4.0? I mean, so if you could include that in, in you know, the question that you want asked, that would be really helpful. A absolutely. Happy to do that. So let me take the first question. So by the way, before I do that, Caesar, absolutely 100% on target. I wouldn't be here if it weren't for the people I met along the way. And I like to say this, uh, you know, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar wrote a book on the shoulders of giants. I don't know if you've ever read the book, but that's how I feel. And so it is, you cannot, there is no way you can be successful and reach a certain point in a vacuum. There are guardian angels around you all along the way. And, and you know, and some of that is just fortune, right? It's like, it's like, I didn't do anything, but I was, you know, at the right time in the company or in, in the in a place um, where uh, that could happen. Yeah. Right. So uh, about Automation Alley, absolutely right, Ron. Automation Alley is an, is an initiative. It was started actually by the late um, executive director, uh, exec, county executive, sorry, of uh, Oakland County, Elbrooks Patterson in 1989. And really what his idea at the time, his visionary concept was, Back in that day, if you remember in the late 90s, early 2000s, there was this move to thinking everything is about technology and everything is about Silicon Valley. And so Detroit was getting this moniker of being the rust belt, the has been, it's gone, and, and everything is now shiny and new is, 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 in, is in California. And he said, that's absolutely not true because if you look at the automotive industry, the vehicles that we make are very, very technologically advanced. And someone needs to tell that story. So it was that simple vision of 
we need to just tell everybody what's happening in Southeast Michigan. And that's what the birth of Autumn Finale was all about. So, and then, you know, it was headed by uh, a gentleman by the name of Ken Rogers in the first 17 years of its existence, built a great brand around evangelism of, of this area. We pivoted in, in 2015 when Tom Kelly, who is our executive director and CEO today, also an amazing visionary, he came onto the scene and he was kind of like taking a fresh perspective. And he was saying, what is now happening in manufacturing? And if you remember at the time, everyone was talking about mobility and mobility in business models, et cetera, et cetera. But no one was necessarily paying attention to the manufacturing side of it. And he said, we really need to go back to understanding what are the driving forces of manufacturing and what are the threats to manufacturing? And this term industry 4.0 kept coming up and it's actually coined from Germany. And we'll get into that, Caesar. Oh. industry 4.0 is. But he compared how the macroeconomic conditions of Germany and the macroeconomic conditions of Michigan as a state are so aligned. You know, high standards of living, manufacturing base, and these kind of family-owned businesses, small businesses that are driving the economic engine and also being disrupted by technology. And so, you know, someone's gone ahead and created this term. We just need to kind of take this term and build a theme around it and become the knowledge center. And that's the that was essentially what what became Automation Alley version 2.0, if you will. As we started digging deeper and deeper into Industry 4.0, we realized that there are much, much bigger possibilities with going down this path. And it's not just about a technological renaissance. It's actually about being fundamentally able to change what society is. So what's Industry 4.0? So if you look at it, Industry 4.0, the term comes out of, it's the fourth industrial revolution. So when you look at the first industrial revolution, we're talking about the late um, 19th century, maybe even before that, right? When the steam engine was developed, right, right. Was developed. what we were trying to do with machines was to replace human muscle power, animal muscle power with, with machines, because that was, it was the gross motor skills, if you will. We were trying to move large things. But there wasn't really a whole lot of like fine mechanical capability. It was all about just moving large things. That's what the engine did for us, right? So that's the first. And, and that brought about, if you look at it, great productivity improvements, because if you were just having 100 men, and back then it was the men doing all the labor, and you replace that with one engine, boy, what isn't that right. a great productivity improvement? So that was the, the spark of productivity improvement. Then the early... 20th century comes along and Henry Ford comes up with this idea and he realized it wasn't even his idea. He actually went to a meatpacking plant and he saw, you know, what could have been, what could be done with an assembly line. And so the assembly line was born and what we call that, that's the age of mass production. That's the second industrial revolution. So you now have this ability, this engine, and now you have this ability to crank out parts and crank out stuff and crank out, uh, you know, uh, consumer goods. And what that does is it makes those consumer goods more accessible. So now we're creating this. And then of course, with the $5 um, a, a day, you know, concept, we're creating this notion of a middle class. Now we're increasing accessibility again, a little bit, right? The third industrial revolution is the dawn of the computer chip. 
where we're starting to say, how can we automate certain processes? Well, I call that automation 1.0, where we're basically like automating the systems and things like that. But, but the humans are still doing most of the work, but these things are automating around that. Industry 4.0 flips automation where the machines are now doing the work and the humans are doing the strategic oversight of the work. And that's where we're going with Industry 4.0. So to put it succinctly, what Industry 4.0 is, and, and Ron mentioned this earlier in the opening, is it's becoming a software business that happens to be in the business of X, whatever that X is. So you've got a software business that makes cars. That's Tesla. You know, Mary Barra has said that she wants to see GM being named as a software business that happens to make cars because that's where the world is going. Mm. Right? Uber is a software business that happens to make available capacity in an individual's vehicle by bringing the buyers and the sellers together. So we're, we're disrupting the taxi industry. Airbnb is a software company that is bringing people that have space in their homes to people that are looking for places to stay, disrupting the hospitality industry. So this is what we mean by Industry 4.0 is, and that's why we call it a software-first mentality. In manufacturing, the same thing is happening. There's a company that is called, it's called Relativity Space that's trying to 3D print a rocket. But they are mm. seeing themselves as a, we're a software company that makes 3D printers that is ultimately going to print a rocket. And if you look at the underlying economic dynamics of this thing, that is going to disrupt aerospace and defense in one quantum shift. And so that's why we keep saying, what we want to do is if we can make the small manufacturer think like that and the small manufacturer creates the IP and creates the knowledge around a particular product, not only are they going to keep that prosperity in the community, they're also going to ensure that that ecosystem and that community stays vibrant for the long term. Now, so you know what? You need to write all that up, man, so that... I mean, that, a, that's like a little pamphlet. Right? I, didn't I tell you, Spencer? Yeah, I thought our audience point, really appreciate like, they, they just recently uh, used the 3D printer to, to build a house. Yes. You know? I mean, so you're, you're absolutely right. That's where this is going. That's you where know, this and is maybe going. Maybe in the next show, um, we can also talk about what 5.0 is going to look like. You know, what is that? <laughs> I'm serious. I mean, what what is that right. next phase of development? Yeah. You know, yeah. it'd just be really interesting, but that yeah. was really, really a great explanation. You need to teach that too, man. You need to teach a be adjunct somewhere and, you know, <laughs> well, you know share that knowledge. Yeah. Well, you know, um, um, as we wrap up here, I think, uh, Pavan, you've given us a really, really great portrait of a disruptor, someone who started out on one side of the globe in one part of industry and transformed himself personally along this career path. And, you know, the value of uh, conversations like this are that for so many of us, we're really trying to figure things out. And uh, you distilled this whole transformation to Industry 4.0. Really made it simple. Right. And I think that's what's really valuable. And that, uh, to our listeners and our viewing audience, is what Disrupted is all about. It's not just talking about disruption. It's, it's about bringing it. you about people who are doing it and right. making things happen. So, hey, Pavel, let me just say one other thing, Ron. 
the reason I was asking you about the mentors and stuff, because Ron is like a great example of that. Ron took on this challenge of being being a part of the Little Brother organization. And his young man that he's mentored and tutored and given advice to is now at what, Southern? You know, Southern University, an HBCU with an engineering program. So it just shows you the power, you know, that people can have on your lives, you know, and that's why we always advocate for everyone, you know, who's a quote unquote accomplished, you know, needs to reach back, you know, and share that knowledge and that journey that they had with other young people. I did happen to listen to that podcast, Ron, and I think that was a fabulous example of someone being there for someone in that early phase. And, and I'm hoping he can pay it forward at some point, you know, 20 years. You know, it's so funny you guys mentioned Bernard, because I'm going to give a little shout out to him. When you gave your talk as part of the panel for Upskill Detroit, uh, Renard was the young man in the audience who was the first to start asking questions. Oh, is that right? Oh, wonderful. Yes. So I think it's that curiosity wow. that he brings. And so maybe this summer when he's home from break, I think it would be a powerful uh, episode to have you back, Pavin, to talk with Renard. Well, that would be great, Ryan. Great idea. About, about how he's putting this to use as yeah. a student of engineering, but also as a student of the world, you know, and as a student of, of, of intellectual curiosity. So to our audience, this has been Disrupt Ed. We're going to invite Pavin to come back and talk more about Industry 4.0 in our next session. But for now, this is Ron Stefanski, co-host of Disrupt Ed. And Cesar and Mickens. Thank and, and Pavin, that was great. We look forward to the next episode, man. I'm 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 sitting on pins and needles just waiting. <laughs> Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And me too. I'm looking forward Thank to you it. All. Yeah. all right. Take, Take care. Take care. Bye-bye.